The following podcast contains uncensored coarse language. Listeners are advised that some of the following content may not be appropriate for those under 15 years of age. Hello everybody and welcome to the Cinema Catch-Up Club, the podcast for films that you probably should have seen by now. I'm your host, Dr. Stephen Platt. Thank you very much for downloading this week's episode. And this week, we're throwing it straight over to our special guest, Mr. Robert Woods. Oh, hello. Uh, Robert, (laughs) um, is this or is this not the 25th film you've reviewed on the program? Uh, It is, indeed. (laughs) Yay. 25. Yeah, 25 films. How can you imagine watching so many films? Fireworks. Practice. (laughs) It's a lot of practice. Um, But yeah, so because it is your 25th film, and as is tradition, uh, when guests reach their 25th film on this program, they get to pick it. Uh, So, Robert, you've chosen Children of Men. I chose Children of Men. Mm. Um, Why? (laughs) Well, I think that this is just a really solid film. This is probably... Yeah. I mean, I'm not a kind of psychopath that can choose a favourite film, but... Mm. If I had to, in a pinch, this would definitely be one of them. Mm. Sorry, did you say psychopath? Uh, y- yes. Only a psychopath would say psychopath. <laughs> That's true. I've, I made a note. We'll, we'll, we'll watch. We're going to observe him for the rest of this recording, and we'll see how it goes. Um, <laughs> well, neither of you have seen this film, so maybe this might trigger. This, this might 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 tell you more about me than it does about (laughs) what I've said. Well, in a vague, non-spoilery sort of way, what Mm. is Children of Men about? Um, Have you seen that Arnold Schwarzenegger film, Junior? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of like that. Okay. I'm in. Sounds good. Sold. Excellent. That's all we need to know. I think that's all you need to know, yeah. Wonderful. Uh, Well, we do have someone who hasn't seen the film. Uh, Please welcome to the program, Tegan Mulvaney. Hello. What's the special thing for the 48th film that you've done? Is that um, a tradition? You get a hash brown. Yeah, you get a hash brown. Oh, I've eaten that already. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how are you, Tegan? I'm really good. Excellent. And uh, Children of Men. Mm. Um, you've not seen this film. No, but I've had a child. That's true. And it was, was that child of a man? Partly. Partly, yeah. yes. There is, there is, well, there's no Y chromosome because she, she's a girl. Oh. Uh, but I guess one of those exes came from... My ex. Yes. Which is her dad. Yes. Oh, this is getting very metatextual <laughs> already. Uh, so, um, obviously, without seeing that film, I, I, I'm going to presume that you having had a child means that you're going to be uniquely, well, maybe not uniquely, lots of people have children, but you're going to be, of the three of us, you're going to be pretty uniquely uh, tuned in to, to the themes of this film. We'll see. We'll see what happens. It might do. It might make me... I can't think of... I need to wee, and that's um, <laughs> that's playing on my mind a little bit. I'm very excited to see this film, though. I know bits and pieces about the story, but I've, um, mm. I've been told it's a very bleak film, mm. and I like bleak films, so I, I'm intrigued by what that means mm. for this film. But the, the, the concept is, in itself, pretty, pretty bleak, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, yeah. So, a world where... Can't have babies. There's no more children. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. It's pretty sad. Sometimes, as a mother, that sounds great. <laughs> but I like my child at the moment. 
She's probably going to listen to this podcast. So, I, I mean, I love my child at the moment. So, um, Good save. <laughs> this isn't being recorded or anything. No, 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 no. It's fine. It's fine. Um, excellent. I'll just blame the bladder yes, for anything yes. I say yeah. wrong right she got, now. She's got pea brain right now. Yeah. Um, so, uh, before we let you go for your toilet break then, um, Clive Owen is the I star love of this Clive one. Owen. You love Clive Owen? Yeah. Okay. What do you love about Clive Owen? Um, it was when I saw Closer, the movie Closer mm. for the first time. Mm. I think that was, wasn't that his big, I know he'd been in other things, but that was the film yeah. that kind of thrust him into the, into the light. To light. Um, he was just incredible as that character. There's that scene in Closer where he is confronting Julia Roberts about infidelity and he's so bitter and nasty, but it's all contained in that. And I remember going, oh my God, that's one of the best performances I've ever seen on screen in that moment. So there's a lot of stuff bubbling under the surface yes. there that, that they you can he can put out there for you to read. Absolutely. Into. Yep. You don't need it. It's not even on the outside. You know that something you can see what's happening inside for him, which is such a skill. Um so this is exciting because then the idea of this basically follows him, doesn't it? Yeah. Love it. Need Excellent. to wee. Need to stop talking. Well, in that case, then, uh, shall we watch Children of Men? Yep, give me two two minutes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, as uh, Tegan sneaks away... Oh, no, don't start now. Oh, no. Wait. <laughs> uh, for those of you listening at home, pop in those DVDs, load up those streaming surfaces, and remember... Close. Remember that the future is a thing of the past as we watch Children of Men. Welcome back, everybody. We have just finished watching Children of Men, and I'm joined once again by my special guests, the uh, film birthday boy, I guess is the term, Robert Woods. Oh, yeah, okay. I'll take it. 25 today. 25 films today, yes. Um, And how are you, Rob? Oh, about a seven. Excellent. And Tegan Mulvaney. Hello. Uh, Tegan, that was your first time watching Children of Men. Mm. Um, How was it? Um, It was a journey. Mm. It was great. It was really good. Um, Yay, I'm glad. <laughs> yeah. I really... I, I just loved the, the flow of the film, the pacing, the immersion of mm. it, everything. Mm. Very, very... It, it superseded my expectations. It mm. wasn't bleak. I, it's, it is mm, bleak, yeah, but it, it's not bleak. Like it, it's a it's obvious, hopeful. Absolutely. It's, it, the, whole, the whole message of the film, I think, is one of hope. And there's also that little sense of fear... And um, mistrust in the background, like that beautiful scene towards the end where everyone stops fighting because they know there's a baby. Shush. Um, And then that explosion that Mm. comes from... So all these people that have seen the baby then go and blow them up. They're waiting for it to get out of the way and then just straight back into it. Back into it. The Mm. survival and the resentment and the anger and everything is still there. And Mm. so you still have this fear as to how much this baby and this mum, particularly I love the idea of them, of the feminine in it as well, there being a female baby and that whole mm. thing. That was really cool. Mm. It's, just, it's just beautifully done. It's all yeah. su- it's all very subtle. They don't speak of that stuff. It's just there in the background. Yeah. You know, so like the, the background, the stuff in the background of this movie. Incredible. It's, 
it's where 90% of the storytelling is done. Mm. And it, the just from a filmmaking point of view, um, like what the film is about is what the background is. Yeah. And the, the story that happens that brings us through the world is is there for the, the emotional connection and it's amazing, beautiful characters and it pulls you through. But really all the theme and all of the, the context that you get through visual storytelling and through background is is it's something that uh Quaron started doing in like Etumama Tambien where it's like the journey is there but it's really the the background that that gives a greater context to the story of like mm. Mexico and its history and where it is as a country and now with this film the background is the story of like humanity and what happens mm. when when any kind of hope has been extinguished yeah. um, and how it all falls apart and th- th- just like it's a film that you can watch again and again and pull out find something else so so many things every time new things yeah. it, there's so much detail mm. in it that- it's it's got one of the most like iconic opening shots of a film that I don't think is actually discussed that much. Because mm. as soon as it came on screen, all those people watching the news report of the death of the youngest person in the world, I went, I've seen that shot five or six times. And I, I hadn't seen this film before. And so right. I was, it was sort of going, that's such a great just introduction where you've had the sound of the news reports talking about, oh, there's trouble in the world. And then just bam, devastated people in a crappy little cafe in London essentially having their version of like the death of the princess diana like that kind of thing Mm. and it was just it just puts you straight into where this setting is which is this place is bad and everyone has lost hope Mm. as as you say yeah and i think it's really interesting as well because obviously um uh koran is um is is obviously a mexican filmmaker but telling a, a a story that feels very British, mm. the way it's put together, um, and and you know obviously it's it's an adaptation, um, but you know it's it's not his story. But I really appreciated as the film was going on that the key creative control in in Quran had this fantastic sort of outsider's perspective that really showed up mm. a lot of. Um, but basically, I don't think a British filmmaker would have shot Britain in that way, even if they had all the criticisms of uh, totalitarianism that this film clearly has. I think having that outsider's perspective um, really shone through in a really in a really effective way. I'd like to watch that. There's that what's that British mockumentary that was made in the early '90s or late '80s where they about the world having a nuclear attack. Threads. The day after. Or... It's one of those yeah. two. <laughs> they both sound very familiar. Mm. Um, Threads was the, I think the BBC. That's the one I think I'm thinking one. of. I think I'd like to watch that after watching this and, uh-huh. see, and just because it's the only thing I can think that comparatively might look the same. I haven't seen it, but it, yeah, I, it's the bits I've seen, I'm like, that feels like it feels like a, a Threads esque sort of storyline, but taking but they've taken it to pure. Um, a documentary, you know, setting as opposed to a narrative yeah. and a and a, and a fictional. I think, well, I, I always heard that the filmmakers talk about trying to make something that, even though it's it's like a future dystopia, the story was about 
the current day. Mm. Yeah. It's very firmly rooted in the current day and mm. it, they wanted it to feel uh, like it's realer than the current day is. It's it's an exaggeration of mm. the current day and it had to be relatable and recognisable. Well, they got a lot right. Yeah, um, it was Threads. I just looked up. The Day After okay. was an American production um, of the same thing, basically. Yeah, yeah it was Threads. Um, yeah, and I, I think it's... The, the the film that I kept thinking of whilst watching this was V for Vendetta, which is um, obviously stylistically very different, but yeah. a similar sort of setting, a totalitarian London um, as, as part of the setting. There's, you know, uh, terrorist attacks and all of these things happening. But obviously mm. with V for Vendetta as the source material, it's a bit more... I, I suppose you have to say glitzy, even though it's not a very glitzy film, com- but compared to... Children of Men. Yeah. It's a well, bit more stylized. V for Vendetta, I guess, especially the film version of mm. V for Vendetta, is quite Hollywood, yeah. quote unquote. Um, whereas this, they, they go out of their way to subvert mm. the, the Hollywood look and the Hollywood hero and characters um, very intentionally to, to make the most unlikely, clumsy, useless kind of person to be in charge of this whole thing that gets thrust into it mm. um which is a, a great trope and a, a great pull for the audience i mm. think but also um it the immersiveness that it creates with with these kinds of characters where they're not they're not invulnerable um mm. there there is always a real sense of anyone could die at any time um the way that i, I just remember the poster when I went to see it and it says Clive Owen, Julianne Moore. And, um, and when Julianne Moore died at the time that she dies, mm. I was like, all bets are off. They're going to, yeah. they're, they're going to kill anyone. Um, mm. no one is safe. I don't, I don't know where this film is going. Yeah. And, and, and I, th- I think it's, it's just incredibly effective. The story is actually for such a fascinating setting, quite simple, which, um, is, arguably to its benefit because as you say it allows all of that fantastic world building space to to breathe because you don't have an over, overly complicated story um the apocalypse is here in the sense that babies have stopped being born uh, it's been 18 years we're in the year 2027 which still sounds quite futuristic even though it's ooh, three and a half years away at time of recording yeah. um uh, but yes it's um it's it's a world where children have stopped being born uh it's a Hence, when the world's youngest person dies, we we have a youngest person to to pick. And in this setting, we have Theo, uh, played by Clive Owen, who has given up on life, perhaps even more so than a lot of the people around him, because as is established in the early part of the film, he had a child who died in 2008, and his marriage um, fell apart uh, with Julianne Moore's character, Julian. Um, as as a result of the death of their son, Dylan. And as you say, he gets roped into a story, uh, a, 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 I can't really say a grand adventure, just a, a series mm. of disasters um, around this figure of Key, who is a woman who is pregnant and is the first pregnant woman that anyone has seen in 18 years. And it's such a unique setup. And mm. he doesn't, I, I love the way it's set up, how they, you don't need any more explanation or you don't need to be told any more about Clive Owen's character um, 
that when he sees that pregnant belly, he goes, oh, this is important. Mm. Like, even though he is the most unwilling person, yeah. it takes one it's, look at it's that. It's bigger than him. And it, he yeah. is someone that is like, no, this is, this is too... Too important, yeah. yeah. And, and and in that moment, you know, he he's willing to to sacrifice everything. And and he's, why why his wife might have said, only trust him. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Which and is, just that it it's so beautifully then sandwiched at the end and complemented at the end with him teaching her how to calm mm. the baby, teaching Key to to calm a gassy baby, which mm. is so simple. It was like. That was such a beautiful little everything ties so beautifully in together. Yeah. The um the comedy in this is so like that this world it is, is there. So, there's, it's, there's quite Yeah. That's mm. why I don't think it's all kinds of emotions in this film. <laughs> you can't call it bleak because it's so the the part that I was just thinking when listening to you talking about the plot, the, the part that was resonating with me was her not they don't even know how to name a baby. Mm. Because no one's named a baby for 18 years. Mm. <laughs> so she's calling, she wanted to call it Bazooka because yeah. it sounded cool. It was like, well, of course, that's, mm. that, well, I think, that would be the world that think, you're in. I it's, think Bazooka is... As a female, because you have to use yeah. a girl's name. <laughs> so yeah. Bazooka is the girl's name. I was mm. like, that's... If cool. it was a boy, it'd be Bazooko. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's genius. Yeah. That's amazing. I think, I think though that in, in reality from her culture, I don't know what it... What it is, but from her background, bazooka is actually a common name. Wow, really? So, yeah. Wow. Uh, so she she's like she's saying. I feel like some name that she would know. I feel like there's like just hearing that even there's so much layer upon layer upon layer. There's that a you lot can of find. culture. Mm. Yeah. In, in, uh, of like different kinds of yeah, nationalities and that's stuff, and, right. and languages, mm-hmm. and, and um, the singing as yeah. well, like all the different songs, yeah. singing, um, the graffiti on the yeah, all over yeah. the walls. They're like all different languages. It's yeah, very intentional. I mean, the art department would have had a hell of a time mm. <laughs> in this film. Yeah. Um, all the newspapers that are. I watched. I read all of like, those. Yeah, I read and all, all the all newspapers. Fascinating world building mm. stuff. Even things like. The idea, so when Diego, the youngest boy, dies, there's still a female who's only a couple of months younger than him. It was like, like, less day, than like, days, like, like yeah. but they don't care about her, really. Mm. It's like, it's like, oh, and then they don't even give her, oh, well, they do give her a name, I think, but they're like, and then there's a female. Mm. Yeah. And even things like that, I think, are really important because that plays into the girl, but it being a, a baby girl and like this, this idea of, even the, at the start, I was thinking they keep talking about what's wrong with the women. Mm. Yeah. So the women, are, there's something wrong with the women, and that's why they're not getting pregnant. It's mm. like, well, boys make babies too. They, mm. they need like it, it, I love that they're it, they're little jabs. I think mm. at patriarchy and, and sexism without. And that was a change for the film because in the book, it's men can't produce sperm. Wow, is the is and they they, made, I believe there. Are, I haven't read the book, but mm. I believe there are a lot of changes. Yeah, there <laughs> made are from the book quite a few to changes, the film. But but the cause of the infertility is in the book is that men can't produce sperm anymore for whatever reason. So maybe I, if that's a conscious choice. So I don't read that as cause I, as them changing it to to say women are lesser. It's almost mm. like I feel like that would be a more. Um, I'm, it, it makes more sense to me. Maybe it's the maybe it's the female in me is how I was going to phrase that. Mm-hmm. The chick in me. I see that as the filmmakers going. Well, they're never going to think it's the men's fault. They're going to go to the women first. So yeah. So they're at a point where they haven't figured out why the why there's no babies being born. Mm-hmm. But I also like that it's 
ambiguous. Yeah, and yeah, they, they don't yeah. Know. I think I think it's mm. a smart move. It is a smart, which move. is why I think it's great that it's an assumption that it's a problem with the women. Yeah. But I think that does because it, it. it makes it just but like also, a presumption. Exactly. I think from a, from a film perspective, it makes key, arguably, and this wasn't intentional, but like even more key to everything yeah. happening because it's not. She it, 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 plus, she doesn't is. even know who the man is. Yeah. It's like well, there's a man out there with with swimmers well like, what, well what it could be is if in this they're saying it's that women are infertile presumably men are fertile if you switch that the other way around if this is the story of clive owen finding the boy with the magic dick then the <laughs> then he's just going to go around and like be providing his semen for yeah. future babies that's that that's an entirely different story mm. you you don't tell the same story and i really hope it's called the, the boy with the magic boy dick because that's a, that's a that's title. actually a film that does exist. Oh, is it? Yeah. <laughs> okay. it's, it's called A Boy and His Dog. Okay. And it is a future post-apocalyptic film that was made in the 70s. All right. It's it's quite something. Okay. <laughs> well, I'll make uh, a <laughs> we can We can watch that one for your 50th. If Any you know. chance that they've influenced that? Um, I, I don't think so, because I think uh, more than specifically fertility, that because they made it ambiguous, to me, it's more that it's a metaphor for fertility breeding hope okay. and, and mm. being being that, that light in humanity um, for looking ahead for a future and trying to make a future that is worthwhile. And this is a story of what happens when we let the despair take over and that's completely extinguished. Mm. So So it's like... What what happens to the world when there are no children's voices in it? When yeah. when there's yeah. no future? When when the because li- of you, whatever it is, yeah. whatever's going on in the world, we don't have any hope. We don't have any because life. we're not talking about anarchy. We're literally talking about there is no future. Yeah. This is not nihilism. So, this is a, an actual yeah. reality. Yeah. Was it was it Luke that said the future's just around the corner, or was it that was it the no that was the radio Luke when they were in the car? No, Luke said Chewy. Chiwetel Legiofor's character. Oh, yes, um, yes. Yeah, yeah, but while Luke's driving the car, you have that host going, here's a song from 2003. That, right. You know, when the future wasn't just around the corner. That's uh, right. Which is a really fascinating idea because, like, as you say, it's very, it's a very exaggerated version of what a lot of the political fears of the mid-2000s were. And, like, mm. I did see quite a few, you know, uh, B liar, <laughs> uh, Blair sort of posters and things like that as part of, like, the historical documents and things like that, which were current in the mid-2000s. Mm. But what I also really think it does is if there is no future, you know, Clive Owen, as Theo, says at one point to his cousin, he says, why do you care in 100 years? there Nobody is going to be around to remember it, which is why I think you have the people in cages and being treated and abused so openly yeah. because they're, they're essentially living when, in a world yeah. where there is no consequence. Yeah, now. war crimes, it doesn't matter. Because yeah. because in 50 to 100 years, nobody's going to be around yeah. to remember. Mm. Yeah. And I think that's and, such a fascinating idea. And just seeing what happens to the world when that kind of nihilism and despair is so prevalent mm. um, and trying to see a semblance of reality carrying on Everyone's eating vegetables, I noticed yeah. as well. Mm. So well, I think like because they're like the animals. They there's no one left to farm, so mm. all the farmlands fall apart. Like everything is decaying and broken. Because why bother, like yeah. keeping you know infrastructure mm. clean and up to date? I wonder if that feeling of hope comes from the amount of nostalgia they sh- they really shine a light on 
the importance of nostalgia and memories in this. Mm. With cause that's we, what people we, are clinging to. That's right, and we see photos of youth and mm. babies and children mm. constantly through this. Um, that beautiful old couple in yeah. the in that um, the Russian house. Yeah, yeah, that was to see the old woman as a young woman in the photo, mm. and then see her playing with the baby. Those moments, I think. Maybe they showed that hope wasn't dead. It's just hidden away in it's there in but the artifacts. Like the society is kind yeah. of just. But they need a symbol. Yeah. Mm. It's yeah. it's great, Robert. This is a great choice. What, what I what I really love about it um, is the like I'm a big fan of science fiction mm-hmm. and 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 action and those kinds of films. Um. um but this uh, this is that, but in such a a grounded, subtle way, mm. where um, it has this emotional through line that really I remember my first viewing experience of this. I was really affected by it, mm. um, and I just loved the emotion of it, the story of it, coupled with the technical specificity and Mm. just the sheer cinematic brilliance Mm. on display so it was like it's almost an amazing example of both of those sides of of the art form Mm. for me um the 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 technical filmmaking and the the artful emotional storytelling that that pulls you in as a as a human and the humanity of it. And the, yeah, the, um, some of the things they do with, with the, the camera mm. and the sound and in this, and just Alfonso Cuaron is someone that's always trying to make an immersive experience for an audience. And he's, he's grown from this film and, and doubled down on that with each mm. successive film. Mm. Um, but just uh, like doing the opposite of the Hollywood thing where if, if a sequence is becoming more heightened and more intense, instead of cutting more, he cuts less. Mm-hmm. And he, he right. into the point where you're just pulled along in yeah. real time and these, the most intense sequences don't have music and don't have edits. Um, and it's it's the opposite way of thinking to, to most, most films. Mm. And just some of the things they pull off doing in in that style so just the the sheer magnitude of mm. the organization is boggles the mind yeah. i think it it makes as a viewer and because the film is older now mm. like i think it makes a few things more forgive you're more forgiving of things too like the cgi baby is yeah. a, is you can tell it's cgi but i was watching it going i don't care because it's so important that that is a newborn yeah. and not a three-month-old baby yeah. or a six-month you know like it's I, and you know not what the, not the prop not that, the baby baby yeah that cgi baby is so much better still than cgi babies that we've had in the last oh, 10 or years. the fake baby from hurt locker yeah the it's, fake baby from hurt locker the fake baby yeah. from american sniper that's the what fake, i mean not hurt not hurt locker. The, the fake baby sniper. from, from Bloody Twilight! I was going to say the because Twilight you, baby because with that one, it, it's the fragility of a newborn. Like yeah. that is a that is a director who understands that baby needs to be newborn. The yeah. the the thing that that got me the most the first time I watched it, um, 
and I'm someone that that hates babies, <laughs> right? I don't can attest. I, yeah. I, I I don't care about your baby. Loves movies, hates babies. <laughs> yeah, like Robert Woods. But the th- let's get Maisie on the next podcast. The, the one where <laughs> I the point where I realized how much the film had hooked me was when she gives birth in that incredible long sequence. Mm-hmm. And he pulls out the baby and it's lifeless. Yeah. F- just for like... A split for second. Like, mm. like it's five seconds maybe. And I just like... I was so devastated and worried and concerned. Mm. And then it comes to life and it was just like a wave of relief. I'm like, holy shit, I'm really invested in this. Mm. <laughs> What's going on right now? Yeah. And and the thing is, is I, I agree that the baby looked odd. I think it's... I think what it is is it's sitting very comfortably in in the uncanny valley. Yeah, there is something about the way that it's been animated in that lighting mm. that I agree it's important that it looks like a, a a newborn child. You couldn't have achieved that with even like a month old baby. It's no. it's not right. And I but, but 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 what I would say is that yeah, that uncanniness I almost quite like because it's the idea of like. This is an alien entity to everyone Absolutely. for the last 18 years. Yeah. The fact that, the, that even the baby doesn't know how it's supposed to look almost feels yeah. like it's part of the story. But, it, and, but I think it's also, it plays into the fact when we see babies on film, they are always older mm. and cute. And newborn babies are fucking ugly. <laughs> they do look like little... Yeah, yeah. I'm holding your silicon alien from... <laughs> an ideal host. Idol host. Mm. They, but they fit, like it is like that. It's... Mm. They're not cute. Yeah, they, um, come, they come out and they're like... And that baby's fizzle. been born. Mm. That was... A, that's a bad bit. She's going <laughs> to... My Having had a baby, mm. my brain was going, oh, she needs an epi- She needed an episiotomy. She needed mm. this, she needed that. Where's I mean, the placenta? Are you were saying... I was, because I was invested. Yeah, I was yeah. like, how real is this going to be? Because mm. it was I, there was so much reality in it that I was thinking, well, the placenta's got to come out. And... We're going to gross everyone out in this podcast. No, go for or, like, um, uh, she hasn't the breastfeeding. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm guessing the assumptions are there that she's doing this stuff, but it's like, who taught her? The woman who was get, the midwife is gone. She mm. got killed. So, I mean, no one's there to teach her. I, so, I think, like, that was yeah. where my anxiety yeah. was yeah. rising going, <laughs> if she has the placenta in her, she'll die. Like, and then we'll lose mm. her. Is she going to die from. Yeah. I, I think the presumption was they have that cut to the next day that just allows you to go. I can assume either she knew what to do or Clive Owen remembered enough from Inst- his own experience. Instinct kicks in. Yeah. But there is that as well because it was beautiful the way they showed really subtly again, maternal instinct. She still doesn't know what to do, but she knows to protect. Like mm. that sleeping the with the baby like yeah. that, holding the baby. There's things like that that are, that are so on the mm. money. Oh, and it has to be said, like the, the performance in, in this are top notch. Um, we, we've obviously spoken a lot about Clive Owen, um, but there's nobody in this who's not good. Um, Claire Hope uh, Ashete, who plays Key, mm. it, I'm I'm a little bit mad. I don't think I've seen her in anything else because she's great. She's yeah. like and like it, it, she does that thing of like she has these little lines where it's like, what are you doing? I'm protecting the baby. She just has this like little bit of like attitude to her, <laughs> which is, yeah, that's exactly what you'd say in this situation. If Clive Owen's like mother, yeah. mother goosing her. She, while they they do going. give her a couple of those lines that, yeah. that endear you to, towards her. Yeah. Um, yeah. I particularly yeah. liked the, uh, the, um, who's the father. 
what? I'm a virgin. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, what? Yeah. Cha. Be wicked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that was great. Um, but we, we, we do have to talk about, um, we, we mentioned Julianne Moore, uh, who, yeah, not in this for very long. Um, she's she's really good. She does a lot of heavy lifting. That was yeah. my only little <laughs> critique of this yeah. film is yeah. the parts that are, where they're not having to do any setup. It's just happening. They are fantastic and they're so immersive that there was just a moment at the start and Julianne Moore has to, like you said, does a lot of this. Yeah. There's just a lot of this, we're setting something up, we're, wait for mm. it, wait for it, wait for it. And the payoff is there with mm. the pregnant belly, mm. but there's just a bit of dialogue at the start where I'm like, yep, that, On the whole, though, that's I think, a lot of vague dialogue. I think, that, yeah. But it's said by wonderful actors, so... you get away with they, it I, th- I, I feel like they try and get through it as quickly as possible i yes. mean exposition is hard at the best of times yes i think the the way this film handles exposition is they try and uh hint at as much of it as possible and the rest they try and show and the showing the is background. so successful i think yeah. that's the hmm. it's it's almost They've almost uh, shot themselves in the foot a little bit there. Because they're doing so much. Yeah. Well, but, like, I think the start of the film is a little bit like that just because you're still sort of getting into what the right gear for the movie is. I think that shot where, um, which was, again, one of the great shots in this film, which I almost completely forgot about, when Clive Owen is in the car of Michael Caine and then the bus of refugees go past. Mm. And, like, Michael Caine goes, that's a bus of refugees. They're off to the place. Like, And he just says a very exposition-y line, yeah. which I don't think you get after the first half an hour of the film, because now we know where we are. Yeah, because you, and you're in the moment, you're yeah. not having to I do think, any setup. I yeah, guess. I think, but I think it's, as you say, you give it to an actor like Michael Caine and you go, yeah, okay, that yeah. makes sense. And also we're 10 minutes into the film. Well, we, mine, mine was yeah. the bus ride with Clive Owen and Julianne Moore and mm. the conversation there. There was a couple of moments where I was like, mm. we're setting up backstory. Yeah. Here. We're setting up character. And it was like, and it was a little bit, it felt like the script was going, just, just wait a little bit. Just wait a little mm. bit. Just wait. Just like, wait. It's about just to wait. move. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then, it, and then it. Once they're at the the farm, yeah. that mm. first farm, it's absolutely rolls on from there. It was yeah. just that moment that I went. I'm out of it. I'm out after being so immersed at the start because of mm. that opening scene. Yeah. And then coming out of it a bit. And then from then on was absolutely yeah. Uh, speaking blown of away. wonderful performances. Um, We've got to talk about Michael Caine. Michael Caine. Tegan. Uh, Michael Caine. You're only supposed to blow the bloody fingers. <laughs> exactly, yeah. As, <laughs> as Jasper. Um, I, I don't smoke pot, but if I knew a pot dealer like Jasper, maybe I'd be interested because he just... <coughs> it's a <laughs> strawberry cough. <laughs> he just seems... He, he's such a fun and warm character. And once he was back in the film for a second time, I was like... Well, they're going to kill him. I don't know how. I don't know why. I want to know what the John Lennon thing is. Mm. There's a John Lennon thing. Yeah. I, 100%. I want to know what it is. I think he's just a fan. You think that's it? Yeah. Okay. They, they use, they use a lot, of, a lot was, of Beatles music and yes. stuff. But like the but he, but, I, I'd like the look of him, him being a yeah. kind of a... He looks stoner. like him. And then there was, there was a lot and it's, in there. It's interesting because I, I don't think... I could be very wrong, but I don't think Michael Caine has played this kind of... Or he's not known for playing this kind of character. He's usually more more stately or or more gruff 
Whereas this yeah. was like, I, I don't think I've ever seen him this like... Hippy-dippy. Yeah, this like yeah. joyous and hippie. And I was like, this is a really refreshing <laughs> it was be- from him. And, and he was beautiful yeah, in that role. So it good. suited him, yeah. yeah. So Michael Caine did actually base his performance on John Lennon um, as part of it. Um, and it is, it is essentially just they were fans of John Lennon, I think. And, and also like, this is a story about hope and giving peace a chance yeah. as well is like part of it but I, I, yeah. I, feel, I feel like basically Michael Caine has said that yeah part of when he was building this character was he did base it around John Lennon because John Lennon was so integral to to him in, in his life of yeah. that idea of someone who's a pacifist and a larrikin as well and, 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 and yeah and, and those things that's that's a really great sort of frame for Michael Caine to then build this Jasper character from who is just really lovely yeah and, and you yeah. wouldn't get it unless you're a John Lennon nut mm. like I think it's just it was just the it was clearly there was a look and then there was mentions yeah. and mm. stuff I was like that's really it's quite sweet yeah and and it was it, it's really interesting because I feel like you could have had this story without the Jasper character but I think it's it, it does a really important thing of showing a little bit where the good people or the hopeful yeah. people have gone which is he's a, a relatively good person but he's hidden away from the still world still shows nostalgia yeah again it's that sentimentality that yeah. is still there the other thing this is probably a, a massive reach but i wonder if john lennon because john lennon they kept trying to kick him out of america mm. because he wasn't wanted there yeah because like there, there's those sort of you know refugee mm. illegal immigrant things there with him yeah as well there, there could be a connection could be. um but but it does feel as though that yeah jasper sort of represents like a counterpoint for Theo because Theo has lost all hope. He's got, you know, whiskey in all of his pockets and all that kind of thing. Whereas Jasper is somebody who I think has lost hope in a different way. But he's, but but he's, he's hanging on. He's he's, because I I see like uh, the two, the main couple um, where there, you know that their child died and one, doubled down on political activism and the other went the opposite way and mm. left political activism mm. and then you see uh not not the same thing but you see that he uh michael kane's character was a political cartoonist mm. and his wife was a photojournalist mm. and it seems like she was tortured possibly by mi5 mm. um for something so like they're clearly some they were activists and they were like that and now he's caring for her and she's in some state mm. where um either trauma-based either, or... either trauma-based or it's just a physical Medical, thing yeah mm. but he's looking after her and uh and you, you do get a second where you think oh they might have committed suicide and given up but he's like he's not that character he, no. he wouldn't have done that um like he's still hanging on and he's still living his life and he's still doing what he does that yeah. speech he gives about spirituality and chance to 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 key mm-hmm. to hear that but then it's from clive owen's perspective mm. listening in that was so cool yeah. that was such a beautiful simple way of explaining this person and how this person mm. is yeah. um it's exposition and, and, and overheard but it's but it was beautifully done and this idea of um um 
loss of faith like you know what do you have to, what have you got to believe yeah. in and mm. you've got to continue to believe in something and chance can take that away from you chance is the is the bugger here and you've got to make the choices after that yeah that and some people it emboldens them for faith and others they they, lose they go the it. other way yeah, yeah. I, it was so simple and so beautifully done i just and that's kind of what the film is is showing yeah. is like humanity has given up but we've got to find a way to mm. to do that. Yeah. And he's the character we need to hear it from. Like, I think for Jasper, mm. you're right. We could have the film without him, but you need him to be the... Mentor. The, yeah, the mm. mentor and the, um, the, or the, the, the theme. He's just, it, yeah. he's the thematic and controller of this show. He, he also does a really important role as like, he, he acted, he, he basically shows how his ideology is, quite aligned to the ideology that Theo has lost when he actively sacrifices himself to give them time for to get away before the, the fishes yeah. terrorist group get him. And he's not showing any fear to them, even though you can tell that, you know, he, he knows he's going to die. But he says to me, he's like, no, nah, it'll be okay. Tell him he's a fascist pig, uh, that kind of thing. And then, <laughs> but like, it's, it's things like the little hand touch on the glass when the car's going off, like making that connection with Key and with the child as well. Yeah. It's like, it's almost like he's going, that's where the hope is. And then he euthanizes his wife, which yeah. was great. His dog. Yeah, was, was, yeah. was just a, a great. Which we didn't see. And I love that. Yeah. Again, this, the amount of animals in this to safely, humanely euthanize his dog as well. I, yeah. Oh, that was really sad, but very sweet. And it was, again, a prolonged shot, which yeah. this film is a lot of. But this was a prolonged shot of just, like, emotional turmoil, essentially. Yeah. But but not turmoil. This was it, this was him performing he one, was resolved. One, one final loving act for yeah. his, his wife. Don't come out of it feeling traumatised. No. And, then, and even though his death, he gets executed by terrorists in his front garden. Terrorists or revolutionaries? Ah, uh, they're terrorists. Terrolutionaries. And, <laughs> yeah. Because um, I think... I think the fish's ideology is not that far aligned from Jasper's. No. It's just the the way they're going about it and the way that mm. Julianne Moore's character wants to go about it is different to... Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's the, it's the wrong... Like, it's fighting for good reasons yeah. the wrong way. Okay, what about bastards? Because they, cause they're... they're, they're, they're they're, but isn't that I mean yeah. that's the crux of war though yeah. two people yeah. think they're right so they shoot each other and kill everyone yeah it, it, it's it's an interesting one but but it's the fact that regardless he like stands up to them and dies telling a pull my finger joke and like <laughs> keeps telling the joke despite having been shot twice because he's buying them that time oh, it's such a beautiful scene yeah it's, it's... and it's so well done and I, love it. Yeah. I wonder how much some of those scenes, like when you mentioned the hand to the window, um, mm. how much they found on set, yeah. and how much of that, because you've got those characters in such good hands with mm. those with those performers, and a beautiful production crew around them as well. Mm. It makes me wonder how much of those moments they had to they found on set because there's so because there's so much going on in the backgrounds. There's so many yeah. unspoken moments. It's like that feels like something they found then and there because mm. there's so much emotion I, in that like, I, can't... I wouldn't be surprised if it was one or the other um, yeah to be true yeah. The, because that the idea of reaching out for that that hope yeah um, and that future 
is is an image that is throughout the film yeah. from that point on, mm-hmm. um, and increasingly so more towards the end, um, and and it's it's less about uh, with the way that the film ends finally. It's it's and where with Theo all the way to, through to the end, it's less about him seeing her delivered safely and seeing the baby make it to tomorrow mm. um, and more about that he has found that faith again that that it'll it'll happen and that yeah. everyone like so many people die along the way that have been that have reached out and touched this mm-hmm. that yeah. that everyone that, that dies they've they've had that glimmer of hope and even all the even all the soldiers and and the and the the, the thinking, fishes like yeah. even all of them they they have had that reach out moment they have of that, hope the soldiers and that moment when they're walking mm. through that shot and it's there's so much natural behavior in this film mm. where those soldiers they have to go have a look mm. yeah. like you're so used to seeing those shots where everyone's just standing back and nodding or you know like you know, with respect, it's, it's like, like almost like a slow clap moment yeah, where everyone like, does it. We fully understand this situation immediately. Exactly, and yeah. this is not that. This mm. is soldiers going, "What the fuck is that? Oh my god, it's a baby!" Yeah. And they have to look, and yeah. it's yeah. such a natural, yeah. such a natural instinct. That, that, I'm like, that was brilliant. That one soldier when they get outside, and he comes right up to them, and he just looks and then stands back. Yeah, because he's just like. What is this that yep. I'm saying? Yeah, it's, yep. that, and there's there's yeah. just those moments where it's like, yeah you're thinking what they're thinking which is they have to get a good look at this yeah. they have to be they have to say i was i saw the baby at that time yeah. i was i, I was there i heard and, it yeah like you yeah mm. all the people in the upstairs so are where like, we hear it crying yeah. they're all like yeah they're where were you looking. when this happened yeah and thing. some of them like get shot like yeah. trying to oh, see the, the baby yeah the background yeah stuff. Mm. like it's it's just and like there must be an yeah. incredible first ad on this film. oh <laughs> so, so sensational and, and like that whole sequence was was the best thing in this film, and this is a film of so many great things. Like, but, but, but just the, the the first the people in the tower block, and then the soldiers all just stopping because there's this baby. It was very affecting. It was, mm. was and and it was good just choice, wonderful. Rob. Yeah, well done. Um, oh, thank you. I do I do want to give a little shout out to Pam Ferris as well because ah oh, so good. We've talked yes. over her a little bit, but as the midwife, um, just very supportive. Again, someone who understood the the assignment, sacrificed themselves to on the bus you know pretending to have the religious connection and we we saw it was spelled out what was going to happen to her she was she was dead within a couple of minutes um because yeah. of what was happening with yeah. we that, saw her at the start of this process yeah. of people being stripped down shot and taken away that imagery is so uh, awful yeah. that was just all of the all of the reference the... imagery from this that uh, mm. i i saw an interview with Alfonso Cuaron. He was like so worried that people would be coming at this from like a Blade Runner future dystopia point of view, Mm. which was like the complete opposite of what he wanted. And so with all of the art department, um, he said, you're only allowed to use images from real life now Mm. as reference. Did they use the Guantanamo pictures? And they wanted to recreate... They wanted to recreate those kinds of images, yeah. Like the the guy from yeah, yeah. gee, whiz. Um, they, well they it was successful. And it's, it's like it's so 
Well, they, they, they look Auschwitzy even the, yeah. the yeah. pictures of oh, the, and there's, the there's, bodies and the burnt there's bodies. There's nods and... towards concentration camps from the Second yeah. World War. They have the German, the old German lady. Yeah, yeah. right, right at the start. Yeah, there's lots the, of in things. the cage. There's the, there's like little musical cues which are like references to um, songs or songs which are named after things that connected to the Second World War concentration mm. camp experience. It's all laid in there to make you go. Exactly what you're saying. It's like to, to, to not have you, the blade runner. Yeah, there, you, you just like you. Even if it's subconscious, mm. the imagery or the sound or whatever it is will relate it back to something real world, and it grounds it grounds the film. Yeah, it made it's, me think of Logan a little bit at mm. one point. It was the only other film I popped into my brain, mm. only around that idea of almost the future, like future, but not too far in the future. Yeah. And we're right at there's there's a lot of familiarities in the bleakness of, mm. of that 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 are that are unnerving because it's like maybe we should just make the governments watch this film and be like don't do this we're <laughs> yeah. three years off this come on yeah. guys yeah I was so weird because like this is 2006 and every year it feels like it's not it's not gotten any further away no yeah. like it's it's... Why, I know I said it when we did a wee wee break because I had to wee mm-hmm. but the when I saw the euthanasia kits, because that's we're in, we're in Perth, Western Australia, and that's been a big thing around WA for the last few years. That was a thing. So that even seeing things like that, that's where we're at. Like mm-hmm. it is a do, DIY at home kit that obviously there's much more legislation around it and things. But even that, I was going. It was reminding me of all the conversations that that the people were having about their worries around it. Like, what about if people want to kill themselves and kill their partner? What about if they do this? What about Mm. that? What about that? And then you see it there. I was like, oh, that's very real to our experiences now. Yeah. Like, every time I watch it, it it always... Something new. Something in it feels very Mm. prescient to the time. (laughs) It does. Um, before we get to the trivia, little, little shout out as well. Uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor. Every time I see him in a film, he's playing someone who I end up hating by the end of the film. And <laughs> he's he's so good at it. But I loved that last conversation he had with um, Theo. Just that throwaway line. I had a sister. Bang bang bang. <laughs> oh, and then, yeah. yeah. Like, but but also just uh, like the fact that he didn't know it was a girl. Yeah. Like just things like yeah. that. Really lovely oh. details where it's like he didn't care. He didn't yeah. care he about. Didn't them. Care. And that's kind of he kind of realizes. Yeah. And that's when you go, you are doing this for the wrong reasons. Yeah. I think that's cement, you know what you said about revolutionaries or terrorists? Or terrorists, mm. yeah. I think that cements, maybe even in his mind, it's the wrong It's reason. a terrorist act. Yeah. Mm. What he, it is a world of terrorists. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's no, mm. there's no humanity in, no. in what he's doing. Um, Peter Mullen as Sid. Yeah, <laughs> Sid thinks we need to get moving. <laughs> like, yeah, he ended up being a bit of a bastard, but also like just what a great performance from from Peter Mullen. Just just superb stuff. Um, it was it's refreshing to have have such a over the top performance in a world like that of by played the t- down. By the time you get to it, yeah, you need he, it. He, he reminds me of because we were talking a bit about War of the Worlds uh, because obviously the two thousand five War of the Worlds was a couple of years before this. Yeah. But it reminds me of from the the various versions of War of the Worlds the the infantryman the soldier who yeah. has survived all of this chaos but has sort of lost his mind and wants to build a new society underground and he's like let the Martians of the surface we'll live in this 
wonderful city in the middle of the earth and all this kind of stuff. But he's like a deranged, essentially like dangerous person who has sort of lost his grip because the world has nothing for him to hold on to. Yeah, he's and kind of, Sid feels like that. He's kind of corrupt, but he still has p- power. Yeah. Uh, it makes him dangerous kind of on both sides. Mm. Um, yeah. Untrustworthy. And it's like, it's obviously that's the perfect, that's exactly what he is. He's, yeah. he's mm. the... He lives for himself. Good, good, good or evil. Like, we don't know if we can trust no. him or not. Yeah. Do you think um, Theo survives the events of the film? I, I feel like it's left a bit open-ended at the no, end. No, he very clearly dies. You think he's... Okay. Yeah. Because I, I was viewing that as... I thought he was dead. You thought it was ambiguous? And uh, Well, I thought he was dead, and then oh. as it it cut to, to black and you have the title card with the laughter, which I know is symbolic of the future, but a little bit of me did make me think, oh, would would he have... Like, I, I just... I guess it's that finding hope. I had then hope of, like, sure. maybe he at least survived being dragged onto the boat. Like, be, yeah. being dragged onto the tomorrow. I'm, I'm, I have always read it as he, he dies before... He dies before uh, Key sees the boat. Mm. Um, and but I he think got it, her to the boat, so he's accomplished... I think, I think... Well, I think it's important that he dies before he knows the boat is there mm. because... Just thematically, because that that means that it's it's about him finding the faith and not having he can't have faith if he sees the boat. Yeah. So it's it's about him. He's believing the boat will be there. That's yeah. the chance. Okay. He's so. he's got he's got hope again, yeah. basically, right. and it's about finding that hope. Okay. And that being enough. That's enough to sustain. Mm. Yeah, that's lovely. That and feels, then that's quite well, d- and then to hear that he's. That Dylan is the name of this child yeah. as well. I think like I totally like get that's that. That's the last thing that he yeah. heard, and mm. that gives him that hope. And he can let Dylan, go. Dylan, and he lets go. Yeah, then, and he true. dies. So true. Yeah. So beautiful. Yeah. All right, yeah. I'm on board now. I'm on. I'm on <laughs> yeah. I was. I was just Kill Clive. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like some trivia about Children of Men? Sure. Sure. Okay. All of this trivia comes from IMDb. So if it's not true, don't blame me. Blame Sid. Yes, blames Sid, blames Sid. <laughs> um, writer and director Alfonso Coron uh, said in one interview that he wanted to shoot this movie like it was the Battle of Algiers and not Blade Runner, as you said, um, because he wanted something that was felt almost like a documentary about something that had happened back in 2027, mm. which is such an interesting way of approaching how this film is shot. Um, Robert, actually, I have just remembered something I did want to ask. How did they shoot that scene in the car where oh. Julian gets killed, but like the cameraman must have been in the car somehow, but at the same time gets out of the car and moves around. How did that work? Explain well, movies to me. <laughs> they had, they have a car yeah, uh, and all of the actors in the car, all of their seats can fold backwards mm. and, and, and sit down flat. Right. And then the camera... There is no roof on the car. That's right. a digital roof. Okay. Because the camera is hanging from a robotic arm mm. on top of the actors mm. and can move back and forth and left and right. And as it does so, their seats fold back so their heads don't hit the camera as it moves wow. around. And then the the car is driven by a, a man who is in front of the car. It's kind of being, being towed. Mm. Um, and then... Above the car, there is a whole nother bubble mm. where a focus puller and the DP are operating 
the movement of the camera as it moves. So it has full 360 degree Are capability. Are there photos of this setup? Yeah, there's there's wow. behind the scenes footage of the and there's them rehearsing with all of the extras and the stunts because it was all one shot. And then it's obviously a handoff for the camera sliding out and then coming out from the door and then being a steady cam. Yeah. Um, and that whole and and what's great about that scene it's a very famous scene it's and it's one of the i think the the all-time great scenes in cinema yeah <laughs> um is that the lead up to it is so long the whole conversation that happens um is just really slow and steady and you're just sitting in the car listening to Theo and um Julian talk about their past and doing this ping pong ball trick mm. um and it turns in an instant yeah but it it doesn't cut it just you're just stuck in the car with them mm. as the whole world shifts around them mm. um and it's so effective is that the first time a convent that's been used did, like did they invent they invented that? they invented this this thing and they had to figure mm. out how to build it um to do this and it has been done since mm. But where uh, in 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 other films they have Which films? Uh, specifically I think they did it in um uh what's that other John Wick one with Charlize Theron Mad Mad Mad, Mad? No 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 oh. uh, uh blonde Atomic Blonde Atomic Blonde, blonde. yeah I okay. think there's a there's a a fight that she has up and down the hall and then goes into a car. And then the car, and it turns into a car chase, and that that's like seventeen minutes long. That's like ridiculous, but okay. like I think other 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 shows have done it, but uh, since then, or like they've they've built, uh, and and you know, people have built uh, additions to cars or like platforms next to cars so right. that they can shoot on them, but mm-hmm. never. I don't think they've done moving cameras inside a car before. Yeah. It's it's just it's brilliant, brilliant, and like again, you, you said that the ultimate set piece in this film announces itself, and sure enough, <laughs> just, just the massive sound cue of just Boom. here it is. And he's like, get ready. Um, but that, I, that I sequence, loved yeah. that, mm. that 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 it does announce itself because I remember sitting in the cinema going, oh shit, here we go. Like, <laughs> like I, I felt that as I was watching it. Yeah, <laughs> and like, and it's it just keeps going, and yeah, it's great, and you get the. Um, the, the, the flecks of red on the camera, which we'll talk about a little bit in the <laughs> trivia, but like it's it's just stunning. It is genuinely brilliant. The one that that uh, people obviously there's been a lot of analysis of of that particular shot mm. with the tanks and mm. and you know the digital squibs and figuring out all of the logistics of all of that, yeah. and also then the car scene and the and the logistics of all that. But the one that that I really love. Uh, oh, and the opening shot, as mm. we've mentioned before. But the the long... There's a long... Well, it's not really all done in one shot, but it's still just a few takes of long shots. The set piece that, that I love that I don't think gets enough love is them escaping the, cars? the farmhouse is this the and the car doesn't achievement start. Un- yeah. This is Achievement Unlocked. <laughs> achievement Unlocked. Yeah. That's a very <laughs> long shot. Of them coming around, pulling, making sure none of the the cars can mm. follow them. Which, yeah, as and as then we try, as we said when we were watching it, um, felt like 
The Last of Us or a video game like that, and then you promptly told us that, oh yeah, the guys that made The Last of Us were influenced by Children of Men. Yeah, it's his favourite film. Yeah. So, so yeah, you see a lot of Last of Us kind of background imagery like in this, mm. and and that scene, I I I just remember, like it 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 is as you said a slightly more fun one. Yeah. But mm. it's like the tension. Of it, I still remember going, oh, man. Because, again, there's <laughs> so, so much... close. They're coming. You can see him right. They're in the background. Yeah, yeah, it's that background. They're always there. Yeah. And they're coming closer. Yeah. Your peripherals are on fire in this film because you are watching the action and then you're like, oh, my God, no, all of this is happening around. Mm. There's a guy in the kitchen window. All of that... Um, all of that information that I need for the story mm. is happening in this quiet conversation. So I have to listen. I can hear what I need to hear. Yeah. Like... It felt like, yeah, if like we called it Achievement Unlocked because it, it felt like a side quest where you have to sneak around mm. and not not upset the clickers or something yeah. like that. Like, that's what it felt yeah. like. Yeah. And when the car goes, you, I expected a little Xbox <laughs> symbol to come up and go, boom, boom, Achievement Unlocked. Yeah. Um, also, Dreadlock uh, activist. Charlie took, took one to the head with that hay bale. Like, that was... That's Charlie Hunnam. Yeah. It, uh, I'm, when, probably he's, the first thing I ever saw him in. Yeah, he, he's great. But, yeah, when he gets hit by the door and he falls, but then his head hits the bell, it's like, oh! Yeah, it's a great... Oh, that's a great... Gosh. It's a great moment. <laughs> it was great. Um, the statue of David that is seen in The Ark of Arts is an existing movie prop, and it was actually filmed intact. It didn't have the little robot uh, leg thing uh, indicating it had been damaged. But during the production, an Italian article was written about the loss of Italian cultural heritage showing the statue with a missing leg. The idea stuck with the crew, and part of the statue's left leg was digitally removed in post-production. Wow. What was it made for? I think it's just one they've got for movies. Like, movies need a statue of David. I wondered if... They hide it from Italy. Like, it's... Hmm. it's, uh, I think it's an old movie prop. Oh, okay. It just... It made me think of like, um, so this is obscure, but um, mm. so the beginning of Rocky Horror was going to do it. So Rocky Horror, if you look in the background of that film, mm. there is um, works of art mm. all through that, like the Mona Lisa and all of those, because, and Statue of David is there because it was going to set up a joke that Frankenfurter acquired, did exactly what Old Mate did, <laughs> where he just Dang acquired he's... all of the art mm. because he thought it was good looking mm. but didn't care about it it was just there because someone needed to have it so that's what it it reminded me of that particularly when i saw the picasso i was like oh, that reminds me of rocky horror where they had all this in the background because it, the backstory was about frankenfurter just yeah. buying the crap out of all mm. of these artworks and not caring about them at all so it just mm. remind, it was um, that was such a cool moment it, yeah. <laughs> it was it was lovely um, the, the movie obviously never explains the reason for the infertility um, and director um, Caron basically said he really dislikes um, films that are very expository or scenes which are expository. He said, quote, there's a kind of cinema I detest, which is cinema that is about exposition and explanations. It It's become a medium for lazy readers. Cinema is a hostage of narrative and I am very good at narrative as a hostage of cinema, end quote. Ah. Oh. Hmm. What an icon! Yeah, he, I think he's my favorite director. I love him. <laughs> <laughs> I just love him. Yeah, that it really resonates that idea of maybe that's an improv thing. Could be. Yeah, you know, it's that because that's the in improv 
we talk about having to tie loose ends together and tie narratives together, but then do we have to? It's like mm. what's more ple- pleasing for an audience is them leaving a show and making up their own reasons yeah. for certain things. It's my Donnie Darko mm. analogy again. Yeah. The Donnie Dark, you know, Donnie Darko original version is fantastic and the uh, the director's cut is absolute crap yeah. because it answers all the questions i to- I'm, yeah. I'm totally on board with him yeah um at the beginning of this movie as theo leaves the coffee shop a tall pointed building can be seen in the background uh, this building is the shard and construction began on that in 2009 is that the gherkin yeah uh well the, uh, no the, the it's the shard is the, oh. the big tall pointy building oh yeah, 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 yeah. and nice. the gherkin's the the shape one, funnily yeah. enough. Um, but that was three years after this movie was filmed. Uh, it was digitally added to, added to the movie. Amazing. So that it would be there for a 2027 London skyline. They are so clever. It's so good. The London thing. 2012. That's a, I, I love that. Killed me. Yeah. And I, yeah, I, that I, was brilliant. And, and a better logo than the logo they had for London yeah. 2012. <laughs> they should have watched the film. Yeah. I guess great. they could. That would have been... Tempting fate a little too much, yeah. maybe. Yeah, perhaps. Much um, like Akira and the the Tokyo Olympics. Mm. <laughs> what happened with that? Oh, in in Akira, which it, was made in the nineteen eighties. The it's set it's set in two thousand and it's set in two thousand and nineteen in Tokyo f- at the preparation of the Tokyo twenty twenty Olympics. Yeah, which. <laughs> Tokyo got the 2020 Olympics yeah, and, and then, then, uh, and then, then the world went happen. to shit yeah, yeah. But, yeah that's I mean like, in, in fairness in Akira they didn't get the 2020 Tokyo Olympics <laughs> no, on that's very true yeah but uh, yeah I just find like that's like obviously that's yeah. not foresight but mm. In it trips children, you out a bit, doesn't it, it? It's crazy. Yeah. But in Children of Men's case, yeah, mm. they, they, God, they did so much research. They did so much homework mm. <laughs> for this. Wow. The opening terrorist attack in Fleet Street was filmed only two weeks after the real 2020, uh, sorry, 2005 um, London terrorist bombings oh, um, that, that happened. So, the, yeah, this was filmed in mid July, and those obviously happened in early July, Oof. which I presume obviously had a, had a very big effect on everyone there in yeah. terms of how it was done it's it's very effective it is um and obviously this film didn't come out until 2007 so it's still obviously fresh in the memory but the idea of being on a london street and having a terrorist incident being recreated when the real thing happened like two weeks previously i'm, I'm a little bit surprised they still did it to be honest um, but and they, mm. I think they, because I just was having flashbacks to it. You you meet all the people that die because you yeah. see them all in the, you see a crowded coffee shop and you see all these people feeling pain and mm. sadness and then they've blown up. That's a really ballsy act, to, uh, particularly well, you, after that. Mm, that to, happens throughout. Like yeah, 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 mm, yeah. People you like Russian Liam Neeson, like yeah. I, I knew he was gonna die as soon as yeah. they were like line them up. I'm like, no, no, not him, not yeah. him. There's always one person you. He go, was not nice him. and he gave him shoes. Yeah, How dare that you? was so cute. It was. Um, in one of the minutes long takes, the camera got splattered with fake blood. This is the the big one that announces yeah. itself. Um, Director Alfonso Cuaron almost ruined the day of work because he shouted cut, but it was lost in the background with all the explosions and they kept going. Um, Cuaron ended up uh, saying that it was a happy accident because the film, that that scene in particular is so praised. But yeah, that little splatter Splatter. of blood, like it's, it feels deliberate. 
Like, it feels like that's exactly what you want for that immersive thing. Yeah. Complete accident. Wasn't meant to hit the lens. Because the same thing, ha- isn't that happened as dirt? But, like, Saving Private Ryan and films like that, there's, yeah. there's some of that. Yeah. Yeah. It really works for this film because you already feel like you're there. Mm. Then all of a sudden you've got crap in your view. It's like, well, that's more real. Yeah. And the fact that it's a little, just four little specks of blood yeah. as well. Yeah. It's very effective. <laughs> um, the last bit of trivia, uh, which is a bit lighthearted for us to finish on. The first week of release of this movie at the Leicester Square in London, um, there was a mistake on the theatre marquee. So this uh, film was titled uh, Children of Me. <laughs> 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 they forgot to put the N on, so. Oh. And that sounds like a very different film. Children of Me. You know, at Lunar Cinemas, when they don't, when it's really long and they don't have enough letters, and so they switch the letters around, and one of those, or they skip out vowels. <laughs> to, put in, put in uh, numbers and stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Children of Men. Yeah. You just get a Z and put it up yeah. I mean, on its side. It yeah. was London, so it is Children of from London. Yeah. Yeah. It, it makes sense. It'd be me. Yeah. Could be one of them. But yes. All right. Well, all that remains is for us to score the film. And Tegan, it was your first time watching Children of Me. Sorry, Children of Men. Uh, 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 what score would you give it out of 10? Ooh, um, it's a high one. Mm. has to be. I can't give it a perfect score because of that little, <laughs> the exposition <laughs> bit at the start. Because mm. that was the only time I went, oh, 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 no, I'm fine. This is fine. Mm. Um, I'm going to give it... There's one thing that I want to give it, but I think someone else is going to give it, so I'll share that. Okay. Um, I'm going to give it nine and a half ping pong pashes out of ten. You know, that there there is one line in the film that always grates on me. Which one? It's, 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 it is um, the, the hippie midwife um, telling the story about... Um, what happened and with the babies back in back in the day? Yeah, there is a point where she stands up and walks over to the window, and she and she says, as part of her monologue, as the sound of the playgrounds faded and continues on, and something about that phrase is like the one thing in the film that stands out to me as no human has ever said that. Yeah, mm. no human. Yeah would speak like that. This is a written like performance piece. Yeah. Mm. And that's, that's one thing. It's that an Oscar like, speech. Yeah. It's, like, it's just like yeah. every, like the stuff before it and the stuff after it, mm. I was there, but just that one little bit as the sound of the children uh, of the playgrounds faded, um, always takes me out of the film a little bit. Mm. Yeah. Uh, having said that, I'm still gonna, I, I, I just, I can't with this film. It's, I gotta, I gotta give it, 10 blood splats on the lens mm. out of 10. Yeah, there probably were that many. Um, it's a great film. Yeah. It's, it's, it's superb. It's, it, it does everything that it needs to do to be the film that it is. It's, it's really hard to kind of think of a way that this film could have been improved with maybe the odd exception of like maybe a little bit of less expositional dialogue. But to be honest... Um, but who really cares? Yeah, I I, f- yeah. I feel like it's it's something that can be forgiven uh, yeah. because it it's it just in, engenders such a particular feeling. It is such a unique apocalypse idea, so well realized, and it is such a great metaphor for hope, as mm. as you say. Um, and I loved it, so I'm going to give it ten 
Pull my fingers out of ten. <laughs> uh, Stig may have been pulling her own finger during that, trying to get one of Rob or I to I'm say. I'm changing my score. <laughs> okay. You've convinced me yeah, to yeah. not care about the expo- expository language now. Okay. It's going to be ten strawberry coughs out of ten. There we Amazing. Go. Wonderful. Especially I since we've now heard it. that Alfonso worked so hard to get rid of as much exposition as he could. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, it's like I still think it does a better job than ninety percent of films yeah. trying to do Absolutely. world building. Wait, and it's and we're talking about probably literally less than two minutes of things yeah. that make me in a how long is the film? Two, two hours. hours. Yeah. So it shouldn't. It's not worth half a point. No, I felt bad. Yeah. And then I remembered strawberry coughs. Yeah, you've, well. you've, 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 you've brought us uh, a little bit of hope, yeah. as, as indeed this film has. Robert, oh. um, excellent choice. And, I'm uh, so glad. Happy 25th. Like Yay. Yes. I hope to get 25 more so I can choose another one soon. Yes. Well, well I mean, we'll, we'll just have to see what the future brings. Ah. Uh, we, well, we... I'm almost at 50 and I'll probably have to retire a little bit or semi-retire <laughs> after 50 because we're just like, I feel like I'm on this constantly now to get to 50 <laughs> and then you're going to be like fuck off <laughs> uh I'm, I'm on it every week now I'm, I'm i'm just like no no nobody's if, if they're putting up with me they'll put up with anybody else so, <laughs> Yay! yeah um but yes no tegan will be getting to her 50th very very soon so what will she pick how will you find out you'll have to subscribe uh itunes soundcloud spotify however you choose to listen to this program uh, make sure you're subscribed to get a new episode each and every week uh, we're also available on patreon um you can give us a dollar a month uh because well one it helps run the show but two we give you some bonus goodies uh, in return we do have we um, give you two dollars in return <laughs> no we're, <laughs> i don't think that's, that would be a very good business model um but what we do give in return is extra bonus content including the um cinema catch-up club cutting room floor where we take things that we cut out of the program and uh, upload them uh, as bonus goodies and features like children of men the musical yes I've done Gravity the musical. I know you have. <laughs> this is the next one. Would, oh, I, I, I don't know how you do it as a musical without... You do it the same way you do Gravity the musical and do it from the perspective of someone misreading the film. Yeah. Ah, okay. <laughs> there we go. That's how you do it. All right. Well, you could do it from the perspective of the boy with the magic sperm that actually got <laughs> Key pregnant. Yeah. And he's walking around you this same... You know what? Same... A boy and his dog would make a great musical. <laughs> he's just walking around going... I can bring life. Well, to there's things. a whole other like l- like linear storyline mm. sequel here, which is following this guy him. just impregnating all yeah. of these people. And do you, yeah. know what you, do you know what you call it? Children of me. That's that's. What you <laughs> Children of Mel. Children of Mel. Yeah, it's this guy Mel. He's wandering around. <laughs> we've we've done it. Yeah, we'll we'll stage that sometime. Let's stage it in 2027. We can put a musical together in three years. Let's do that. And finally, we have a Facebook page. Me swimmers uh, are working. <laughs> Me swimmers are working. Uh, news and updates on our Facebook page. Uh, if you have suggestions for songs in our new hit musical, Children of Mel, uh, please do let us know. But that is all for this week. So until next time, goodbye. Bye. Ta-ra. <laughs>
You have been listening to a Thought Jar Productions podcast. For more information, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com. Guns go off with a hiss and a fizz. I don't care because they got me jizz. <laughs> children of me. Children of you. No, children of me. What do we do?